Last week, we celebrated Easter like we were accustomed to. For many of us, we gathered here and in other houses of worship for the first time in three years. In the planning stages, it was a bit nerve wracking, not only on a macro level, but a micro level as well. Individually, we all began to have a little dissonance or just a little angst about what to expect. How could we make sure that worship was indeed not successful by the world standards, but glorifying our God? It was hard to plan out details for the customary things we would accomplish and had taken for granted before the pandemic. Like so many other houses of worship, we were anticipating a special newness to this Easter season, including church staff. We were back in our beautiful sanctuary. We experienced the return of the Easter lilies, the stained glass windows, the orchestra and the choir singing melodious sounds of acclamation. We returned to passing of the peace here at Christ Church, the coffee hour, the rooftop Easter egg hunt, and our Christ Church tradition of the Easter feast, where we ate, drank, and married well into the afternoon. It was a good day. Wouldn't you agree? We have come to a point in our life together that we recognize how deeply we missed our regular gathering, especially on Easter. So the pandemic impacted our ability to physically be with each other for a time. Now we return to the temple and must hold our suspicion of Thomas in the gospel today at bay. He had not yet surrendered. I had a new respect for his questioning. I had a new experience with his need to see and appreciate what had taken place at the empty tomb last week. I found empathy for him, did you? He was not unlike the other disciples, including Mary Magdalene, and we are not unlike them. Mary Magdalene doubted when she saw the empty tomb too. Until Christ spoke to her directly, she did not understand why the tomb was empty. The other disciples, those locked in a room hiding in fear, also doubted until Christ addressed them directly and only then did they rejoice. Jesus gave Thomas a specific directive. Yes, to touch, see, and believe. It seems simple, right? And still, he doubted. As with the other disciples and Mary Magdalene, Jesus is always prepared to meet people where they are. Therefore, he didn't give the same response to all, but makes it personal. Jesus makes it specific with each encounter. He had mercy, he had grace. He was truly showing compassion, knowing they each needed to see, hear, and feel something different. These accounts of those who have witnessed Jesus for the first time since his burial remind me of what it means to surrender. It brings to mind the hymn from 1896 by Judson W. Van Deventer, I Surrender All. Some of you may know that. You may know the hymn and the lyrics, all to Jesus, I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus, 
I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. As the lyrics to this hymn remind us, believing in the risen Savior is a personal decision. This is a part of what was so shocking about Thomas in the Gospel of John. In rejecting the disciple, he now says he did not believe in the communal response to seeing Jesus. In rejecting the disciples' report and the good news about what they have seen, he rebuffs the very friends with whom he has shared life for so long. We see in the Greek language, Thomas's words carry a special force. In the Greek, it says, there's no way I will believe unless I see it for myself. Yes, Thomas was skeptical. He was ambivalent. He was unconvinced. He was like many of us, if truth be told, asking the question, what can prove the case? We need evidence. He didn't see the empty tomb. He didn't see the grave clothes. He didn't see the presence of angels. He didn't see the exchange with Mary. What he saw was a leader who had suffered. What he saw was a leader who had been beaten. He saw a leader who had been flogged and publicly disgraced. He saw a leader who died on a cross, a shameful death. He saw the most despicable evidence of persecution for no wrong. How can he love? How can he be sure? How can he not be concerned with being deceived? Many have lived by the adage, seeing is believing. In the creative encounter, Howard Thurman writes, the surrender of the self at its center gives to life a new basis for action. For Thurman, this is the basis for our action as Christian people. He calls it the core purpose for one's life. He tells us that there is a power to surrender. It's not weak and feeble. It's a power that extends beyond our private ends and personal risks. Our limited faith, has been lifted up. Our limited faith has been met by a resurrected Savior. The resurrected Savior is now the crucified one who has become the risen one. He now speaks the same words of comfort he uttered at the Last Supper. Peace, I leave you. He continues to bring order to the chaos of our lives. We want to witness him walking on water in order to believe. We want to see him restore sight to the blind in our midst in order to believe. We want to see him remove all impacts from this present state of the virus and any other healthcare issues and ills that we might face by any means, any means that we come to suffer in order to believe. We want to experience and see the persecutions of our sisters and brothers in other lands come to an end whether in the Ukraine, Ethiopia, or the Sudan. Sudan, we want this to end. We want it to stop. We want to be agents of change. Wherever there is destruction and people are ravaged by war, we want it to end. We want the light of Christ to shine even there. We don't trust that which we cannot see. For the season and the reason for us, many of us are having a Thomas moment who earlier exclaimed, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Perhaps you remember Jesus telling him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
This season reminds us that God's power and grace are not locked out. We simply have to surrender to it. All to Jesus, I surrender. Make me Savior holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit. Truly know that thou art mine. As we surrender, Jesus finds a specific way to bless us all. Every nation, all creation, each and every one of us. The way Jesus handles our individual doubt is with individual grace. He gives us a chance to voice our fears and our concerns. He can handle any emotion we have. The power to give us what we need comes even when we have limited faith, even when we are filled with doubt. Someone may ask, why should we be so hard on Thomas for demanding the same opportunity to see Jesus that everyone else had? We must be intentional not to regard him as a second-class disciple. The need for empirical data plagues us all in different instances throughout life's journey. <laughs> and our faith journeys are no different. Ultimately, in the Gospel of John, it is those who believe without seeing who are the true disciples, the true followers of Jesus. When we hear Thomas exclaim, my Lord and my God, this is him making his confession of faith. It is in this moment, I believe Thomas is saying the words that resound with that old church hymn, all to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. All to Jesus I surrender. Now I feel the sacred flame. Oh, the joy of full salvation. Glory, glory to his name. The question I leave you with today is, are you really ready to surrender if you haven't already?